You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. Welcome to the Weekly Review, the cultural exchange between two grown men and a bright young trend detective who balances life online with the real world with much ease. This week, we shall talk about Impeachment, the latest installment of Ryan Murphy's American crime story centered around the Monica Lewinsky-Bill Clinton sex scandal that almost brought down his presidency. Capri Songs by FKA Twigs is our mixtape of the week. Ben's got the full analysis and we shall digress. Uh, we think that there's a fashion trend called dystopia core, which should, we should be aware of. Mar wonders what or who's been bullied on the internet this week, which leads her to think about empathy. Let's begin. adding to the 80s revival canon what's happening ben with all this 80s everywhere all these synths i don't know it's a lovely song though isn't it that, that, i've been listening to the new mitski album and it is super 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 good and i saw that mar is referencing mitski later so we're, we're on albums yeah Do you have the full album oh, or the, had, the releases she put out i've had it for about a week mar but you know no are you kidding he's a proper I'm, journalist I'm gonna, okay he We're going to talk later. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But for her voice, I thought it was uh, Wise Blood. Is it pronounced Wise Blood? Where is Blood? I think yeah. we eventually concluded it was Wise Blood, didn't we? We, we talked about this quite a lot. Did we, yeah. no? Yeah. Comparing their, they, they've got a certain timbre. Anyway, uh, before we start with all the stuff that I've announced before, I've because your fault, Mar, you've got us hooked reading The Cut. I was a little bit um, on edge reading an article on himbos, which is my buzzword <laughs> of the week. Now, what is a himbo? Are you familiar with this term? I am familiar, yeah, because right. we we already <laughs> we already did the like a we had like a wig themed bimbo vacation stuff. We we talked a lot about that, but there's another side of that coin. Like everybody's welcome to bimbo vacations, and we have himbos to prove that the himbo vacation. Ben, were you aware of? Have you ever thought? Is, have you ever seen a himbo? Well, I was sort of aware of it from the 80s. I mean, I was, I was, I was reading that cut article and they said, yeah, it does sort of go back to, to the time of the 80s and like, you know, um, Keanu Reeves and, and, and that kind of thing. And I was aware of it then. I didn't, I didn't know it had been having um, a revival, but I thought the article explained very well, like kind of why, why it is having a revival. Because like himbos are like from what I took, they're kind of nice, right? Yeah, but it's like, a little bit of a safe, unicorn. Kind of like, yeah, because if you think you're a himbo, I, I don't think I am one, so maybe I am one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, so, I, I totally don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to read a couple of descriptions from the article to clarify for our listeners what, uh, what exactly is a himbo, according to the cut. They're beautiful men who may lack intellect, but make up for it with an emotional intelligence. Someone who makes up for their intellectual blind spots with kindness and a hot bod. So, Somewhere in the early 90s, the big and brawny idea of himbo evolved into sensitive hot guys who critics assumed had no thoughts, just vibes. They had comic timing and viewed women as their equals and were objectified just as much as their female counterparts. Um, it, 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 it's, <laughs> whenever I read these articles on the cut, I think, is it that difficult to date in New York City? Because all the, 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 the people speaking on the podcast episode of mm, What is a Himbo uh, talk about, oh, you know, dating is, can be a drag. I thought that was the fun part about being young and living in NYC. Have you never watched Sex in the City? Well, that's what I think. You know, that's what Sex in the City w built up to, the, the, the illusion of constantly dating all these interesting people. And No, but I think it said it was hard to date in New York, right? Didn't it? I mean, I haven't watched that many episodes. But like the general vibe I got was, yeah, you can go on lots of dates, but it's it's it doesn't work. 
Yeah. I might be wrong. I'm sorry if that's a you know misinterpretation of the whole Sex and the City vibe, but that, that's that's what I got. Now, of course, it's hard. It's hard to date in New York City because like they got 10 million people to choose from. And if I was on a date, I'd be sitting there thinking like probably the other person they've been talking to is like you know director of the New York Opera or something yes. like that. Like I'm just sort of some loser basically. Well, that's another thing. You know, do can himbos live in New York City if according to this description? Because and uh, they do mention that usually uh, being realistic you might find himbos not in the typical city kind of things. They're people who are very fond of nature. And I think one great target, if you're looking for a himbo, ladies, <laughs> surfers. I've, I've known a lot of surfers in my life. I've done a little bit of surfing. And, and, I, and I must admit that a lot of this, these descriptions fit the kind of surfer archetype because basically they're guys who are obsessed with nature, obsessed with finding the perfect waves. So... The, any kind of money they work they work to afford is usually spent on traveling to incredible paradisical par uh, parts of the world like Sri Lanka, Bali, Brazil. I don't know South American coasts, and um, and and they're usually super eco friendly. They know how to exist on very small budgets because usually they don't work real jobs, so they're always like getting by or hustling to get to, and they spend it all on on going to surf. So there are people who are in touch with nature. They know how to live very simply, very basically, usually very healthy. They've got incredible bods because they're constantly surfing. So, uh, yeah, think of the character of uh, Spicoli in a movie like Fast Times at Regiment High, which was played by Sean Penn, a very young Sean Penn. That would be the archetype. That's the bad thing. Or Ma surely Keanu Reeves in Point Break. Keanu Reeves. I mean, you know, if we're saying Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. Is he not supposed to be like very intellectual and and deep? To yeah, me. but but the thing is that he's critically critics have always laughed at his acting skills like forever. But now everyone's having a Keanu moment where like Keanu's the best thing on earth, and uh, we now appreciate his kind of oh, so he went from acting. himbo to to something else to like I, more I, spiritual I yeah. don't want to be rude because he's probably a very very nice person I've never met him but his reputation certainly in the 90s was not of an intellectual titan as an actor no. As, no. as his acting work uh, uh, his acting output not him as a person or stuff because then later all these videos of him riding the subway Reading with those like really sad songs being, playing yes. in the background because like Keanu <laughs> had all these family tragedies and he <laughs> donates all this money to cancer research and stuff like he is like what he's a unicorn it's like wow you know th but there aren't that many Keanu's in real life are they yeah but so Pardon. now he he's not a himbo anymore like the image we have now wouldn't be as much of a, a himbo as he was when he was younger I guess because to be a himbo can can you be old and be a himbo I yeah. Well, because when you're old, you're so wise <laughs> that even if you've just spent your life smoking weed on a beach and, and uh, enjoying the good vibes, you have some wisdom. Uh, and you're out of the dating game, maybe. No? Yeah. Well, that's no. unfair. Yeah, that's unfair. Maybe you can, maybe the key to life is to keep being a himbo even though you're old and then you reach Nirvana because that's the the reason we are here is just to be himbos and bimbos and just enjoy life and, and do nothing else and have no thoughts and just enjoy. There was one line I really liked in this article which said uh, there uh, a great concept of a safe space of a man, which I thought really, really summed it up, you know, which I, I thought was a very nice way because like himbo certainly in the in the 80s 90s had slightly negative connotations and i like the way that, that, that they put it you know you, you're going to be you're going to be safe they're respectful yeah you know um and they're not trying to be anything they're not basically well, that's what I mean. It seems like characters out of a movie. They keep mentioning Channing, T Channing Tatum as the ultimate himbo. Like the characters he's usually playing, they always have this kind of little dumb spot. Like like Magic Mike is the ultimate himbo movie, right? The, all of the guys are super sweet. They're these male strippers, these incredible bods, but they're super respectful of women and their whole thing is about making women smile by being, you know, ridiculously sexy and all this. And, uh, you know, John Joe Maniello and stuff. And it is true. Um, Magic Mike and Magic Mike XXL are incredibly watchable movies. I enjoyed them a lot. My girlfriend and her friends enjoy it even more than I do because they get the, you know, it's almost like porn for them. 
<laughs> not for me. Although that number, there's one number where Joe Maniello dances to Nine Inch Nails is closer. Is that like porn for you? <laughs> that was that, that. I was very excited because it was a, it's a song that really moves me, and it's like wow, what a way of like subverting it instead of thinking of the video clip with Trent Reznor surrounded by pigs, real pigs' heads, and you know that video directed by Mark Rogmanek. All of a sudden, you're seeing Maniello surrounded by screaming women you know and in a strip club and it's it's really high it's almost high art um yeah i like what steven soderbergh did why did you feel you said you felt nervous reading because i kind of identified with a lot of these things and it's like oh that's you know not a bad thing is it now it's not now it's not but i've always I suffered you. uh you know being caught out for my lack of intellect and i'm always sort of uh, oh, trying come to... on <laughs> you haven't got a lack of intellect that's well, hard. you know sometimes you know but when you're, you're in the hot comp- but you haven't got a lack of intellect there we <laughs> go <laughs> But I don't know. So you know, when you read something, and it's like, does this sort of do I kind of identify with these words or whatever? It's like, I don't know, because um, I can spend so many hours just looking into space. Ah, yeah, because I'm rewatching Seinfeld, and I'm at the point where um, Elaine is dating Putty, David Putty again. They mention in the article that David Putty uh, is a, a classic himbo kind of character, '90s himbo. You know, he's big. He's kind of he doesn't give he doesn't put too many deep thoughts into things. It's just like a laid-back guy. Uh, it's fantastically played by that actor who also voices um, Joe on Family Guy, um, the neighbor. Uh, anyway, um, and I was, and anyway, I kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. I just sort of like the idea of being compared to Putty because <laughs> it's like I don't know. Um, yeah, so I'm no longer peeved or anything. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the idea of being a himbo. But if I think I'm a himbo, then that does not make me a himbo, according to the article. But if you you're thinking. You're thinking you are, after reading an article that explains what a himbo is, it's not like you self-proclaimed you are a himbo before anyone else told you you are, no? I get it's cool. I, I like the, the brand of branding yourself as a, a himbo. Like, yes, 2022, <laughs> I'm coming out as a himbo. <laughs> it, uh, to me, it's a, a great move. But what the article doesn't address, like when we talked about bimbofication, mm-hmm. what, talking about uh, female artists, how, you know, the, the, bimbo f- the bimbo has a look, no? Or has a certain style that would... Uh, like people like mm. Bad Gal, we've always talked about how she exaggerates her bimbofication with the clear heels, the kind of stripper aesthetic, Cardi B's, and, and etc. What would be the male look for a himbo? I think ah. I've got this. I think they talk a lot about shorts, right? So, kind of shorts, sporty, athletic. Yeah, wear. yeah, exactly. To kind of show off your muscles, mm-hmm. not like in a big, in a big way. But the kind you know, of guy kind of like... who wears shorts in winter, no? And they're like, oh, I'm not cold, you know. And they they might wear like a, a jacket, but they'll wear shorts and socks. Well, or they look like they look like they might have just done sport. You know, it's not like they yeah. they they've kind of like put on sports clothes to go for a lounge around. It's like I'm wearing these shorts because maybe I have just played tennis, and yeah, you know, they might have a polo shirt and a hoodie or, or something like that. That was the that was the impression. <laughs> yeah, I got. Don't know if they outdoor wear. Outdoor wear, yeah. Himbos spend more time outdoors than indoors. I, I yeah, with I, activity. I, you, your muscles are got to be showing through, but not like obviously. No, exactly. Not, yeah, not like. Well, that would be the archetype. Remember in the eighties when everyone, when there was a real gym, gymnasium trend, and people would wear those, um, those t-shirt. Men would wear those t-shirts cut right above the the belly button. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So that you would show off your abdominals mm-hmm. and. And it was a thing, and it wasn't just like obviously in a lot of gay clubs and stuff. That was the look, you know, men showing off their bodies. But no, no, it was like even in the heterosexual world, men looked very feminine, no, because they were wearing these kind of yeah clothes that showed off their body and stuff. And it was an interesting time in fashion, I guess. Yeah, let's bring that back. I want to see that now. Like let's himbofication, let's <laughs> himbofy, <a> himbofy all <laughs> all the men. In 2022, everyone wearing crop tops. Let's let's get it. You know what? Another equivalent of male himbos in the 80s was hair metal musicians. Hair metal musicians could kind of, and that's another interesting thing because they were also very, there was this was totally different to what we've been talking about, you know, about athletics and stuff. But this whole flamboyance of you know being very feminine, using like um, hair hair foam to keep the hair all spiked up. That's why it was called hair metal, and all these like tight leather trousers and stuff. Even though there was this kind of whole macho thing going on in the in the heavy metal world and this glam rock and stuff of the eighties. Uh, 
it was very feminized. And I'm trying to think, where did I hear this joke? It, uh, I watch so much TV lately. Uh, I confuse my references. But it's like, yeah, yeah, it was like a very macho. It might have been on Cobra Kai. Th this whole macho thing of being in a metal band and yeah, and surrounded by girls and drinking alcohol and just like living the vibe life and stuff. But they were being super feminine, wearing makeup and stuff. It was a very weird uh, way of expressing uh, masculinity. I don't know. Should we have a song? Yeah. I, I put this in as a bit of a joke. <laughs> I feel bad about it now because I'm very much Team Bimba. No. But I like this song. Yeah, I like this song. This All right. This great. is the best song Rob, ever. launch us into uh, the ecstasy of the village people. From one of the biggest <laughs> disco hits about macho men, we move on to our album, or should I say mixtape of the week, which isn't really a macho man album. It's more very much in touch with the feminine side, should we say. Uh, Capri songs by FKA Twigs. I was just going to say, like, I, I've never seen any of us that happy as when Macho Man was playing. <laughs> grinning like idiots. I, I, like, I really like Capri songs, but it's, it's probably not going to live up to the, <laughs> to the village people. Oh, it is more. Okay, okay. Why is Capra songs better than Macho Man it's by Village better, People? It's not better, but it's, it's great. It makes you feel the same way Macho Man makes you feel, at least to me. I, when I was listening to the full album or mixtape or whatever, I, I felt the, the happiness that I felt when I was now listening to Macho Man. Stick that on your poster, FKA. <laughs> well, but you, you refer to her as like your parent or something like yes. that. Because we were looking at either her or her <laughs> sweatshirt and you said they're both my parents. Why, why is she your parent exactly? I... FKA Twigs owned me. She can she can do no wrong. She I just love her. Uh, everything she's put out ever, every time she wakes up and breathes, she's doing the best. I I, I just cannot express how much I love her. She's she's the best, and and we all have to bow to her and say thank you every day for choosing to be alive at the same time as we are. <laughs> Now, why is this a mixtape and not an album? It's just something artists do, isn't it? It's like, you know, if you get stressed about releasing an album, mm. a mixtape and you're fine. But what's the difference between an album, a mixtape and an EP or LP or something Well, like, like that? an EP is shorter. An album or mixtape, like, basically, traditionally, a mixtape is, is a low-key release. Um, because, like, you know, the start of mixtapes were just, like, mix of other people's songs. I know that other people's songs other, that you would rap over. Then it was just like, oh, this is kind of a low-key release. It's basically, for me, it's like, you know how everyone gets really excited when it's like an album? Like, yeah. Oh, my God, the new FKO Twigs album. And I reckon for artists, that's a bit of a pain in the ass Because, you know, you're like, oh, don't, you know. Don't. Yeah, don't put so much expectation on it. Don't Whereas if you're like, it's a mixtape, it's just like, hey. And also, we can see, like, in, in Capra songs, like, she's got, there's like tapes rewinding and she's got like lots of things like her, her friends talking in it which kind of like makes it feel more low-key more mixtape-ish I would say ah, Feels I thought that's how albums sound now where people yeah. put in audio notes you know like Fred again you know Fred again's al album is all half of it is audio notes what's right. that note? I am I'm coming out yeah. <laughs> against audio notes really? I've had enough of it yeah had you've had enough? yeah yeah it's been a little bit overused by now but I haven't still reached my breaking point, I think. Me neither, because it's so relatable, and you, and for some reason you pay extra attention. It's like, what are they saying? Mm -hmm. No, because it's like you're, be, you're, you're protruding and intruding into a private conversation. First time I did, 
And then the second and third times, I was like, yeah, okay, not 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 this bit again. Right, I'm gonna have you. Either you heard the Joy Orbison album from last year? No. Right, he uses uh, recorded samples in, in, in like of his family in a really nice way. I find it really moving um, because they're they're talking about interesting things in their in their kind of history, and they're talking about. Um, they're actually reacting to his music at, at some point and that they're kind of like taking the piss out of each other. And I think you get a lovely idea of who he is. It makes it feel very familiar. Whereas I didn't, to be honest, get a lot of depth from what people are, are saying on this. And I can't I, I can't believe I really like Capra songs. Right. Um, I'm just talking about the audio notes here. It's not they're not very interesting. They're, it's mm. just like, mm. oh, well, you know, like Twig's. You're 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 great, and you should feel good, and you know, like you, you're you're the rock star, and, and it's just like, you know, I'm not. That's not very interesting. Well, the one about Dua Lipa is quite funny. The oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, when like are you going to release yeah. that song? <laughs> it's a little bit like that Instagrammer, Hello Berlin. I don't know what. <laughs> There's this Instagram guy who used to live in Berlin, and he's like, Hello Berlin. I was in Watergate last night. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I did really like that. I thought that was an incredible flex to basically be like, have someone referring to a Julep song and then not releasing it. It's like, yeah. Because, okay. ah, so is that, does that mean that there will be. Is, is she doing a Drake where it's like, look, I'm going to release a, a, a mixtape first and maybe towards the end of the year you'll get a proper full album with the Dua Lipa song or not I don't know oh, maybe mm. maybe why would she call it mixtape if not for that my theory about the mixtape was she's got all these incredible people featuring on the album mm-hmm. right uh, including Parcel Liu who Ben interviewed at Weekender lovely man lovely man um, is Jamila Shy Girl Shy Girl Shy Girl Shy Girl Shy Girl who we interviewed a few years back Exactly. So my theory is when she gets these people on a mixtape, she doesn't have to pay them. Uh, no, it's no, not that no, the, no. It's not no, that she no, doesn't no. want to pay no. them. No, but no, no. It's a major label release. Of course she has to. Uh, it, this is, it's major label yeah, release. It's Atlantic, yeah. Oh, it's on, yeah. No, it's on Tur- uh, Young, the album, uh, the label Young that used to be formerly called Young Turks. Via, via Atlantic, though. Ah. I'm not exactly So I thought sure. it was one of those things like, because sometimes I get the sense that some artists... If they they, they they might be DMing each other, like writing WhatsApp says, mm-hmm. hey, do you want to sing on this track? Okay. But once they get their managers and agents involved, it gets complicated. And then they start asking for money. And sometimes a lot of collaborations get stalled or don't happen at all. And the artists wanted them to happen. But it's like, yeah, but look, it's it's now the labels in the... And, it, and whereas if it's maybe if it's mixtape, then she has the sort of license to do it directly with the artist without involving the legal people or managers because, hey, it's a mixtape, it's a casual thing, it's good promotion for both parties because Twigs is big. I think, no? I, you know, back in... If she was a really small artist coming out with this on her own label, then, yeah, that might be true. But, like, the the stage, the the level she's at, no, no. This would all mm. have to be very, very legal, um, particularly since it's coming out on, on, on a major label. Yeah, yeah, no. Now, if you've, if Atlantic's behind it, I didn't. And know. I don't imagine Twix as an artist and as a person and as the kind of person I imagine her to be, being comfortable with the idea of having friends or people you admire in your song and then not paying for their work. Like it feels weird not to pay someone you admire for their work that they are doing for you. It feels yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think she'd 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 like do that, but. As I say, I don't think it's so much about the paying of the money. It's more about the involving, in, in involving the people that have to be involved when it's, oh, this is a proper... Really, but it is. It's Atlantic uh, via Turks. Via young. Young, sorry. Not young, yeah. <laughs> Could, can I say, like, I, one thing I really, really liked, I thought the production on this album was absolutely brilliant. Mm. Um, El Guincho. El Guincho. And also, like, as he oversaw the whole thing, right? Um, and but I thought it was really clever. They had like very experimental producers and a big songwriter. Like if you had um, on Puppy Bones, for example, uh, you've got El Guincho, you've got Twigs, but you've also you've got Sega Bodega, yeah. but you've also got Amanda Ghost, who wrote which very very famous pop song? You're beautiful, James Blunt. Oh, she co-wrote it. She co-wrote it. Oh, I did not know that one. Damn no, but it's Amanda really good. Ghost. It's really clever. It's like it's like the weekend album that we talked about. Was it last, last week? week? Mm-hmm. They're basically like you've got so he had like Max Martin, big big pop producer. Uh and um Daniel one tri- Exactly, exactly. I love that combination. Maybe this is the combination. You just like you're kind of overseeing, you're like, right, this is my crazy stuff. And I'm just gonna add in that little bit of pop production there. Yeah. And I think it's very, very clever because I think like 
um, by doing it that way, you don't you get that kind of avant-garde take, but you also get like really, really good songs. And I thought that was brilliant. Like I, I have criticised or been slightly critical of FK Twigs in the past for like maybe not having <laughs> in the past. God, I, sorry for maybe not having like great, great, great songs. But I thought the actual songwriting on this was was really good. I'm not, I'm not saying that's all because of like Amanda goes to people. Like it's because of her as well. But like, it, I'm sure it helps having. Uh, having people along. So I, I feel like I'm coming across very negative, but I really did <laughs> enjoy this. I did. I, I And I have to say something about El Guinto. I love his booms. His boom. That, like, he's become this kind of master of the pad and the sample of, of beats, of the trap beats and the and the reggaeton beat. Uh, he demonstrated it on his, uh, his final solo album as El Guinto, uh, Hyperasia, Hyperasia. The booms, the booms. The, the, the texture of his beats... For some reason, I can distinguish them, or I think I can anyway. I was listening to this album, it's like, wow, he's really refined his... These sounds that everyone seems to be using and sim- people seem to be getting from the same library, I don't know what he's done, but he's he's polished them uh, to make them sound like they're his. Mm. I like his... Oh, where, where does this... Where does this... <laughs> you like his bombs? Bombs. <laughs> Boom. Where does this sit in, in her work? I thought it was a lot more uh, light-hearted. Yeah, because the last work. one, you immediately cry. The first song begins and you're, yeah, you know it's going to be a, a sad day and you're going to cry all throughout the album. <laughs> and this one is still connected to emotions and maybe you cry in one or, or a few of the songs, but then you have like Papi Bones and other songs that you're just are just bangers like danceable bangers and i don't know it's a mix of everything she's put out and and new stuff i i really really enjoyed it there's not a bad song on it there's not a skippable song on it like i think she she did amazing she could call it an album if she wanted to yeah i, th- I th- one line the that pasalu sings uh, that got me thinking would you still be a freak even when we turn 50 and it's like, it got me thinking about peop- elder people and having sex and stuff. It's like, <laughs> because I'm getting closer to that kind of age, it's like, do people still have sex after 50? And I don't know. Why not, you see, I'm such a himbo. <laughs> then I was like wondering. Like, obviously, 50 isn't that old. But then I was, uh, I remember this article on The Guardian or something or in New York Times came up in, 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 my, in, in the advertising of, do you want to read this? Um, sex after 75, you know, do people still get it on? And I didn't read it. Not yet. I've got it there for later. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of these things that the got me pondering. 74. Yeah. That's <laughs> still hope. So that, that yeah, that, I don't know. That's just one thing that, that stuck out. Also, she talks about uh, some of her past relationships, not her celebrity relationships. Uh, d- does she address the, the bad relationship she had with um, a certain Hollywood actor, should we name him? Yeah, of course, Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf, what's happening with Shia LaBeouf? He's an asshole, basically. He, he it's because it's. Yeah. I can see you, you can just sort of see in some of his his behavior, even in interviews and stuff. And sometimes with Hollywood actors, you don't know what. what sometimes they're trying to be performers off screen, kind of doing what Joaquin Phoenix did on that documentary. I think it was Be Here Now or something, where where he's kind of trolling the world, mm. but. Uh, but it, I don't know. It, I, I right. I didn't. I, I I can't say this for sure because I haven't listened, read all of the lyrics. But I got the impression she was talking a lot about her past, mm-hmm. um, a lot about past relationships, including past relationships, and, and yeah. how more specifically. But it was more about how she had felt in relation to them, rather, you know, which obviously related to how the other person treated her. But like, it was more her side, if that's what. It, if yeah. Yeah, and I don't think it was. Um, uh, the full mixtape was like a breakup album or something like the last one uh, was everything about um, Robert Pattinson and how she felt and mm-hmm. everything but I think this one is a little bit more just about her in general like about how she feels maybe some of the songs are not even related to to love or romantic love or stuff like that it's it's just a, a mix of everything and, and and I don't know maybe reaching a higher tweaks she she wants to reach because it's it's very astrological we can see from the title like and and some of the songs well like two of them at least mention like astrological things well cap is capri songs a, a play on capricorn yeah she's is a capri ca, um, capricorn sun pisces venus and sagittarius moon 
<laughs> I know her chart. Wow. But because she says it in 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 Meta Angel, and she makes a lot of sense to be a Capricorn, and I'm a Capricorn ascendant. Ah. So we're connected. I know my Capricorns. <laughs> I need to read more of these um, Andrea Gomez's horoscopes to understand all this thing about Mercury retrograde and stuff. Do you understand all that, Ben? I don't even know which uh, star sign my children are. <laughs> <laughs> That's very bad parenting. I know, I, I know when they were born. I just don't know what star sign it is. <laughs> don't get me on that. Uh, should we listen to a song? Yes. What is a light beamer, according to her? I don't know. Well, this, <laughs> is, this is light beamers. Did you give yourself away again? Gatorx with with light beamers, and uh, one of the things I really like in that song, which isn't quite we didn't quite get to that bit, but um, is uh, where she starts her voice like the old tune starts going mad, like really high, then really low, really high, then really low. I absolutely love that. Ah, one quick note before we talk about the next thing. Uh, I was listening to albums released 50 years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, I dedicated the playlist of Mondays. Anyway, uh, are they still able to have sex? Albums that released. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, what good question. I'm going to ponder for that one the rest of the day. Anyway, um, I was listening to Stevie Wonder's Talking Book, which was released in 1972, 50 years ago. And uh, I found I was amazed that on one song, he does this thing of speeding up his pitch on his on one of his vocals to create a, a like a different texture or a different uh, sound and I thought oh so that's where Frank Ocean might have gotten his idea for Nikes or you know some of his songs where he sings with a sped up auto sped up voice not auto tune sped up and uh, a lot of people are doing it now speeding up the pitches and stuff and it's like well 50 years ago Stevie did it first or I don't know if he was the first to do it but he definitely did it like just toying around being experimental and things and it's just something normal that happens nowadays anyway what else is happening nowadays in fashion Right, so d- d- dystopia core. Right. <laughs> Someone, uh, see, I thought this was a massive trend, right? I thought that the dystopia core was sweeping the world. And what it turns out is, in fact, that uh, the Guardian's fashion editor, Priya Ellen, uh, wrote a story about it. But I am all in. Or kind of. Anyway, like dystopia. And I think it vaguely relates to um, FK Twigs in a way. Because dystopia yeah. core is basically. Well, it, I'll tell you who it definitely relates to, and that is Kanye West and Julia Fox. And we talked yes. about them last week. Now, we were kind of remarking a bit on the Balenciaga look and how it was quite sort of dark and industrial. Yeah, and the and clothes look like they're faded and, mm-hmm. and you know, like black faded. Uh, dystopia core, my friends. Grey and ashy. <laughs> Like Julia Fox wearing um, leather pants to the beach. That's dystopia. Whoa, she wore leather to pants to the to beach? To Miami Beach. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> like oh. the literal beach. <laughs> I, I, that's dystopia core advertising at the pants. At its best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you've got to be ready for all the any kind of change in temperature or whatever. Uh-huh. Well, so? a- apparently, so. <laughs> uh, th- this is all to do with, you know, of, like... According to the various fashion experts, it takes intra- uh, inspiration from The Matrix, which is obviously yes. coming back, and Dune, which is also coming yeah. back. And also the fact we've just been through, like, uh, well, are going through a pandemic. Um, and what have we been doing in this sh- pandemic? We've been shielding ourselves from bacteria. So apparently, subliminally, we're all like, God, get the leather jacket on and shield myself from stuff. Mm. And get the cargo pants on and shield and shield. Um, and and also, mask, I'm feeling depressed, you know, so make it black. Make it, sorry? Make it black. Yeah. Because like yeah. we apparently wear black clothing when we're when we're depressed. Yes. Oh, because there's a whole thing that there's like a, there's the contrary to dystopia dressing, which is dopamine dressing. Well, this is what I love. I would I'd never heard of dopamine dressing before, but apparently <laughs> I've never heard of it. It's great. I mean, it kind of does what it said. Basically, if you're you wear like really bright colors, um, and it's meant to make you feel good. 
So if you see people like I saw yesterday, this guy who looked, you know, he he had like orange, green, you know, he looked, he he was very colorful. Am I to understand that those people are maybe prone to being more depressed? So that's why they make they overcompensate by dressing brightly. So if you see someone who dresses like a Ronald McDonald, just go and give them a hug. Kind of thing, <laughs> He's really trying not to 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 fall to, into to the dark side. All. <laughs> yeah, but um, dystopia core. I, yeah, I've always it's always been coming up, and uh, since you mentioned Kanye, <laughs> he's been he's been going for that futuristic in a lot of his Yeezy collections. I think one of his first Yeezy collections, they were going for that kind of Luke Skywalker Jedi futuristic look. Futuristic, as in like a person who lives solemnly, like a kind of a monk, you know, with uh, with roby kind of Japanese-inspired robes or uh, kimono kind of style of, you know, being wrapped up in blanket and and these kind of materials that look tattered on on purpose. Eh, I can see it. It made me think: Have goths ever been uncool? Never. Like goths are always sort of just floating around in their own kind of thing. And they're always kind of cool, right? But didn't we mention this? Like, I don't see that many goths uh, nowadays. Arco de Triunfo, which is an area in Barcelona where there's lots of comic book shops and stuff, you do sort of see a couple of mm-hmm. uh, kids who, not not strictly goth, maybe more of that kind of Japanese otaku look uh, or, or you know, those hyper-coloured, mm, what do you call the, the, the lolitas? No, lo- hmm. well, lolitas one thing, but... What's the other word for Harajuku girls, I guess. Uh, that kind of aesthetic and stuff. You see them, but I don't see as many goths, teenage goths uh, gathering around like I used to years ago. Well, I've been I've been researching this because I am going to a Sisters of Mercy concert later this year. and that It's is still be... on? It didn't get postponed or cancelled? No, it's April or something like that. Ah. So it's, it's, it's all still on. And um, Barcelona has one goth bar, but by the time I was looking up, it was closed. Oh. But I... I I think that might have just been pandemic closed rather than closed closed. I hope. So I'm. Rob I'm, must know. Rob, which is the goth club? ¿Cuál es el garito gótico de Barcelona? By experience, el undead, the undead. Is it that one? Undead. Sounds like it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, in in Las Cortes. Okay. Well, we should. Yeah, I'd love to go back to it. Well, I'd love to go back to any kind of club. Um, also, can I? Can I? Uh, before we move on from this, I want to coin my own fashion term. Because I was trying, I was trying to think. Obviously, it's all about me. I was trying to think, like, am I more dystopia core or am I more dopamine dressing? I was like, hey, do you know? I think I'm more dystopamine. Oh, dy- you know, like layers then. of black with just like a little bit of yellow a underneath, a little bit of a flourish of color. <laughs> the worst of both worlds. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Why does it have to be the worst? Why couldn't it be the best? I don't want to take. I don't want to shade or drag uh, dystopia core enthusiasts, but there's a look that's always kind of. I think I could not go there. I can't go there. And and for a while as a young person, I was kind of a little bit seduced. But then now it's like, no, no. Which is that kind of Richie Horton techno look. You know, where they wear the sort of baggy yoga black pants with these... These men wear these, like, T-shirts that go down to the knees. Oh, yeah, like Rick Owens. Rick Owens. <laughs> Rick Owens. The Rick Owens look with the big sort of... Uh, the yeah the Richie the enter look I call it the, the Richie Hawkinson enter look which could fit into dystopia core I'm I'm not on board I'm not on board I do like people who do wear it whenever I talk to people who do hit the dystopia core Richie Hawkinson enter look they're really nice people they're usually creatives they do incredible graphic design they love sushi and so, <laughs> so basic like <laughs> my. Ba- my basic outline, yeah, that, that's what these people are. They just like sushi. And they like awesome. sushi. I like them. <laughs> but for me, for myself, it's like no, nah, no, nah, I can't go. I can't go back to that. The 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 fake Luke Skywalker thing. But I've always liked Luke Skywalker's looks. You're, you're really turning from one side. I know. I, I can't make up. Oh my god. Is that the, anyway? Join um, me in a dystopamine. And great, we have a song for this. Another FKA twigs cut for this well i thought segment. it's either uh, sister mercy b-side or we go back to fk twigs twigs it's dystopian let me tell you side yeah yeah that can wine Be free and so expressive, and just don't give a fuck, 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 f
here tonight. Well, as you guys and girls know, I've, I watch a lot of television and my latest uh, TV crush was the latest uh, from Ryan Murphy's installment of his American Crime Story series, uh, Impeachment, which covers the Clinton-Lewinsky sex scandal. And one wonders, after seeing the O.J. Simpson case and the Andrew Cunanan Versace crime case, what exactly is the crime here, right? It's not like there's been a murder, mm-hmm, like in the other ones. No, no, the others dealt well with, with, mur- with the others dealt with murders, which served as a backdrop for other issues, such as the racial division in North America, class division, etc or things related to um, LGBTQ issues but now here we're tackling they're trying to tackle abuse of power which is most people think when when we think about the Clinton scandal but who is the real villain in impeachment have you read about this or had a chance to see it no although I do remember quite a lot um, from the the days of the Monica Lewinsky scandal because it just seemed like the the whole world had gone absolutely insane and also I've got to say um Monica Lewinsky uh, is possibly the coolest person on Twitter. I don't, oh, know yes. you, I don't know if you follow, but she's so good. She's, she's yeah. Because like, and she, her, can you even imagine that kind of thing happening to you? To you, you know? And she was, she was young at the time. And, and that, that's what we forget. Like, I remember perfectly being in high school. People were kept talking. No, I wasn't in high school. Not then. Um, people were talking constantly about it. Even here in Spain, we knew as much about the Monica Lewinsky Clinton as uh, scandal as the Amer- Americans who had it on their media all the time. And this is what the show sh- um, portrays, you know, this media frenzy, this obsession that gripped the country about essentially a private relationship between a man and a woman which was kind of consensual it was consensual you know but but obviously there's this whole thing about look a president shouldn't behave like this he's married to hillary above all things you know he's the father of of chelsea who isn't that younger than monica lewinsky at the time uh, and obviously what's cool about this uh, version is that it's all told throughout the women involved Right, even including Paula Jones, who brought a, a lawsuit against Clinton, um, Monica Lewinsky. There's loads of them, but the the one who kind of stands out as the villain is the character who brought this all to light, which is Linda Trip or Fripp, Trip. Linda Trip, played incredibly by Sarah Paulson. Mm. Now, Sarah Paulson, I adore, but I, if I was an actress. I'd be a little bit angry because she takes all the parts, all the best parts. Like it's like usually actresses after a certain age, they always struggle with finding good roles and stuff. You know, they they always say it's like Hollywood is super sexist, and after a certain age, you stop getting the roles. They're always looking for young, young, young. But wow, um, Sarah Paulson just is is working as much as Meryl Streep, uh, and she's unrecognizable, obviously. One thing that is has been criticized, but I think it, it's it's enjoyable, is um, the proth- the prophecies and all the makeup that a lot, a lot of the characters have, especially the noses. Clive Owen plays Clinton with this huge nose. For a moment, it all looks like a Saturday Night Live sketch, and it doesn't help that one of the characters playing one of the actors playing Paula Jones's husband Steve, is uh, ex Saturday Night Live cast member Taron Killam, who's comedy shtick was all about playing deadpan so all of a sudden play, seeing him playing uh, a, an arkansas accent is just weird because it's like am i watching a saturday night live sketch and uh, you know all these actors wearing all these costumes and looking super 90s but it's uh, it's a fine line i don't know if ryan murphy did that on purpose where it's like yeah there's a moment where which is it's like a, a weird kind of post humor where clinton is as United, he's having a discussion with his aides uh, about one of the one of the lawsuits brought upon him and stuff. And it's like, yeah, President, uh, Mr. President, this is uh, this is all about um, what do you call it? Um, abuse of power. They're going to try and get you for abuse of power and um, inappropriate behavior in the workplace. No, damn it, I'm not having the word. What's it called? Sexual. 
Harassment? Uh, harassment, yeah. Sexual harassment towards women. You know, you're going to get the women's uh, organizations against you. And Clive Owen has this moment where he starts naming one after the other all his female um, uh, heads of departments and uh, Congress that he's appointed, you know. And, and all of a sudden he finishes saying, like, no president has ever done for women as much as I have done or something like that, you know. And it's kind of an epic moment, but at the same time, it falls as a kind of a, 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 as a punchline. It's like, well, dude, you do have this kind of uh, <laughs> reputation for being a bit of a ladies' man and, and using your office for all this um, inappropriate behavior. And it's weird because they don't demonize him in a very hardcore way. Like, Monica Lewinsky is the executive producer of the series. And, oh. and what strikes me is how fairly they portray him. Like, they, even though they kind of dig out stuff that is on record, all the allegations, uh, lawsuits brought upon him, even um, sexual assault um, um, allegations that were brought upon him, but that were kind of swept under the rug by the media itself. It's just, it makes a point about, look, this is all about toxic masculinity, you know, men behaving badly, men of power always getting away with it and stuff. But then there's this interesting drama story happening with Monica Lewinsky and Linda Tripp, who betrays her and records all her conversations without her consent and stuff. And it's like, Monica Lewinsky, as producer, seems to have gone out more for her revenge on Linda Tripp than... Clinton, who she kind of seems to be in love with, still. Well, what? I don't know. I get that. That I get the I don't feeling. Think I, I haven't seen it, but I like the idea of not him being portrayed as this villain or something of him, him just being some dude and being like, yes, because people are bad. Like even normal people who are not like, look, he's very mean to stuff or he's very whatever. Mm. He's just some dude. And just some dude can be this kind of asshole. Like, mm. I like this idea of he doesn't have to be this bad person to do that. Like, anyone, even if you think he's just some normal dude that's there being the president, like he still can be an asshole because that's how it works. And I like more this idea than him being portrayed as this dem like demon. Like, oh my God, maybe you find someone who is like this. And it's like, no, everybody can be like this. Because everything's horrible. Yeah, Lewinsky yeah. famously hated Linda Tripp. Uh, at the end of her interrogation, yes, um, the the jurors basically said she could say any last words, and she said, "I hate Linda Tripp." <laughs> yeah, well, well that, so uh, Peter, possibly. And and the tandem between Beanie Seigel, Beanie Siegel, uh, Jonah Hill's sister, uh, she plays Monica Lewinsky, and uh, as I said, Paulson plays Jonah Hill's sister. Yeah. Beanie, uh, Beanie Feldstein, sorry. I, yeah, I, I Beanie Feldstein. But I didn't know they were related. <laughs> they're brother and sister. They're, they're, yeah, yeah. No, no, I the love thing them is, both. He, he decided to change his name to Hill, but she kept um, Feldstein. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of I a sudden now, I love her. She's the best. She, yeah. And she's having. Did you see her in the Caitlin Moran adaptation, film adaptation of the one where she's a music journalist? And still in high school, and she no, no, no. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's it, it's it's thing is they get her playing an English accent, which you know she does a little bit of a Bridget Jones, and she does it very well. Uh, it's cute. It's a little bit patronizing at times and stuff, but it, but it's it's cute. I can't remember what the na- the title of the film is. That is how but to build a girl. That's I think it, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, even the scre- screenplay was also either written or overseen by Caitlin Moran. And um, yeah, anyway, but so Beanie and uh, Sarah they have so much chemistry when they're still friends and stuff. It's like and and there's an age difference and stuff, but it's like so enjoyable to watch. And I love. W- actors in wigs and costume now apparently sarah paulson got a little bit of backlash for wearing a fat suit you know especially her behind uh you know to to portray linda you know to be to to resemble linda trip as closely as possible and uh, she got a little bit of flack on it and she and she said well you know it's i'm just the actress portraying you know the producers it's like yeah but sarah you have an executive production credit on the movie so you also have uh can make, I don't know. They, they went after her, but the wig is adorable. The wig. Another moment that reminded me of SNL is like for a moment she looks like Kate McKinnon, 
play when Kate McKinnon plays her characters and she wears wigs and glasses. And it took me ages to realize it was Sarah Paulson in the first watching the first mm-hmm. episode. Like I asked my girlfriend, "Is like what isn't Sarah Paulson supposed to be in this series?" It's like dickhead. It's sorry, <laughs> it's, it's her. It's this one. It's like oh my god, you cannot see it and her speech, the way she. So it's like I'm super in favor of actors. Mm, playing with all the kind of materials and and accents and things to try and create the illusion of authenticity uh so i don't know sometimes you know people there's it's an interesting debate like okay is it correct to have a character like apu on the simpsons played by a caucasian actor putting on the accent and sorry (laughs) i can't help it um but it's so much fun as an actor to put on accents and stuff but now it's like you got to be careful uh, I understand uh, when it comes to trans characters, you should always try and find a trans actor to portray that person. First of all, to create more opportunities. It's not like trans actors get all the opp- as many opportunities as a non-trans person. So why are you giving, an, you know, someone like Jeffrey Tambor on on that? What was it? Trans Trans America? No. Jeffrey Tambor played a trans character on some famous series and he got awards for it. And now it's like, oh, we shouldn't have done this. We should have given it to, I don't know. It's it's an interesting debate. But uh, Sarah Paulson does wonders with all these materials and stuff. Uh, And Clive Owen doing the Arkansas accent is just a joy to watch. I don't know. I just can't. I was was even going to do this whole segment speaking in the (laughs) Arkansas accent just to to enjoy myself and, and, and brighten this radio up. But then I thought, will the people of Arkansas be... Uh, agree, you know how the Americans, the Southern accent kind of uh, has this thing where people get angry because it's like, what are you kind of saying that we're not educated? Can we talk like this? All the characters talk like Cletus in The Simpsons, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm just sorry, I'm a bit of a himbo. I'm in a mood to <laughs> just do these accents. Um, but yeah, I did not do the entire segment in this accent. But Clive Owen has a lot of fun doing it. Oh, and Hillary is played by. Edie Falco. Oh my word! And you know she was she was obviously we adore her for playing Carmela Soprano, and as Hillary she kills it. And there's one episode that just should have been called the Doghouse, which is the episode when Bill finally admits that look he did something wrong. He lied to her. He uh, he he actually did do the things and stuff. And uh, anyone in a serious relationship can. Uh, relate to the silence that you are subjected to when your other half is angry with you. Obviously, not for the things that Bill Clinton did. You know, sometimes it's because you didn't take the trash out or something and you'll get the silent treatment. And watching that episode was excruciating because I have, when I've endured those moments of, of silence from my other half, which are so uncomfortable for doing something silly or whatever. And, and oh, it's just like, look, I know I haven't done what Bill's done, but still I can mm-hmm. relate to what that man is going through. You know, when you're just trying your best to, to ease everything and trying to get back on her good side, remembering the times when they fell in love. And it's, I don't know. Um, and it's as again, and once again, it's interesting that as an executive producer of the show, Lewinsky has been so fair on the Clintons. It's almost like she's trying to make amends to Hillary and to Chelsea, who appears very little in the series. You know, she's very respectful of the Clintons, very respectful. And she goes full on uh, for Linda, who uh, passed away in 2020, which is why a lot of people are like, "Mm, look, let's try and not speak ill of the dead. Anyway, I strongly recommend this latest installment by Ryan Murphy. I've added it to my Netflix list. Me too. You will enjoy it. And it's so 90s. Oh, her food. Okay, let's do another episode about characters and food because there's so much (laughs) to talk about Logan Roy from Succession and the food he eats. It's like, how can this be the most powerful media person and have that shitty salad? Same with Linda Tripp. It's like, you earn a decent wage. You know, why are you eating all these microwave dinners and they make a whole thing about it? Lovely. Ma, you have five minutes to bring us your bulletin from the internet. Okay, I'm going to be super fast, and that's what you missed on the internet this week, which means you don't really have to listen, because it means it's everything outdated, and next week everything will be new, and everything will be outdated again. But who have we, have we as a collective on the internet, been bullying this week? Well, the answer is weird, but I will explain. Empath. 
And you might think, what? Who is empath? Yeah, what? Empath? Empathy is something you feel sometimes towards people and stuff. But people on TikTok especially, but on the internet in general, I feel, um, are like obsessed with self-diagnosing, like self-diagnosing HDHD, self-diagnosing this and that. And well, so, uh, some, it has helped um, like raise awareness about um illnesses that you may have but it's gotten to a point that it's ridiculous and now people are like self-diagnosing them themselves as empath like you wouldn't get it i'm an empath like if uh, as if it's not an emotion or something you feel uh, as if it's something diagnosable and it's it's so ridiculous that some people go out and and make a tiktok saying um yeah i'm an empath be careful because i i will feel everything extra and stuff and it's like no that, that, that doesn't work like that so we had to do what we do best and is make fun of it and there have been like <laughs> a ton of tweets and tiktoks that has have like overpassed the people that say they are empath now there's a lot on like a ton more of people making fun of it and and there's tweets like me an empath sensing the, how everybody sat at the funeral <laughs> like doing um, stuff that it's so like uh, in your face that it's fun and people would say yeah I'm an empath I can feel something's very bad and, and you're at, at a funeral and it's like no everybody <laughs> can sense that or me an empath li- listening to nobody by Mitski oh she's sad like yes everybody can sense Mitski is sad in every song she's ever written like you're not an empath you're just a person who can distinguish human emotions that other people feel like that that's not a thing and i love that we can bully these people who think they're something special for have sensing people have emotions and i'm diagnosing them as narcissists so maybe ah. that's the thing <laughs> so it's almost people using empathy as a social currency now like oh, yeah i'm, I'm, I'm an empath you wouldn't get it because i'm so i can feel people's emotions so much it's like no you're just a normal person you have a problem with narcissism and thinking you're special when you're not not everything's about you everyone can do that but not everyone's <laughs> screaming oh yeah i can feel your emotion i can feel your sad oh yeah i'm just gonna be there for you and not say it out loud and another person we have been bullying and i almost forgot about it um is rosalia what rosalia. yeah she's been getting grief <laughs> yeah. for motomami <laughs> yeah because she's um dropping all these snippets of motomami songs on her tiktok and the last one is called hentai and it has the most unhinged lyrics i have ever heard in mm-hmm. my life but i love it and people have been bullying her, like, what the fuck is up um, with Rosalia? She's gone uh, um, out of the tracks, like, someone stopped her, did this too much. And I'm here, all alone, not saying anything, because I don't want to get bullied. <laughs> but I love that song. I'm, I have heard it a, a thousand times now already, because it's everywhere. It's on, on Twitter and, in, and TikTok and stuff. And I really like it. I, I'm like, am, am I the only one? Can, can, I we like have, it. I like it. Do I'm we have a you. safe space here to totally. say we like um, hentai's Rosalia? Or can not? we have a sample of a lyric? Like, how unhinged? I, I've, I've got one. Have yes. you got one? Have you got one prepared? Or I can do I, one if I not. I remember, but uh, you can Te quiero, Te quiero ride como a mi bike. Hazme un tape modo spike. And then, um, I'm... Voy a mon... No. I've been mother Spike. Like Lee, Lee. Oh. She talks about sex and she says, um, primero Dios, segu- no, segundo chingar, primero Dios. <laughs> it, it has very weird okay. lyrics. And um, la voy a batir hasta que se monte or, or something like this. And, and it's, the lyrics are unhinged, but... It's still a great song. I'm yeah. I'm here for it. And once you hear the the melody, it's like a if you were English and didn't know Spanish, you would think that's the saddest song and the most. As an empath, I can feel <laughs> she's sad, but no, it, the lyrics are not about that. But I just love it. I I can't wait for Motomami. Um, do I have time for one mm, more? Ten to fifteen seconds. Okay, one more. If you <laughs> have a seconds. lot of free time, I recommend that after you listen to this podcast, you go to another podcast that's called Celebrity Memoir Book Club, and there you have the most unhinged person <gasps> people, like not Rosalia. Rosalia is not unhinged. People who write um, 
my more books about themselves, basically celebrities, mm. are crazy. You have to listen to a, at least one to, and you will die laughing at why, what people write about themselves. I really strongly recommend Yolanda Hadid's book, well, the episode, episode on Yolanda Hadid's book, who is um, Gigi and Bella's mom. She is crazy. Very well. Very. Thank you, Mark. That's, uh, that's <laughs> all we have time for, I'm afraid. Uh, this was the Weekly Review. Thank you for listening. Funky down. Nasty. Hey, listen to the man. Yeah, Godfather. <laughs>